Hello, uh, quick note before we begin. As you can see, this is only a 15-minute podcast. That's because this is for a school project, and that's the time limit. In the future, we'll have much longer episodes. So, thanks for your understanding, and let's get into it. Welcome to Put Your Cards on the Table, the only podcast where we will absolutely not pay the one. Today, we're discussing Wizards of the Coast and their dystopian capitalist Joker arc that they're currently on. And joining me is my good friend Isaac, the Graveyard Garçon. Thank you for coming Hi. in. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Uh, I'm Isaac, and Wizards of the Coast uh, it has cut me in ways that uh, no blade <laughs> ever could. Ain't that the truth? Good lord. Yes. It hurts more when you think they're your friend. Oh god, didn't we all? I feel like Wizards of the Coast has always had like a, a decent relationship with their like fan base and their supporters, so I'm I'm shocked that recently it seems like that's completely fallen apart now. Yeah, so there's a big there's a big part of it that I think gets brought up pretty often where and this will happen with lots of people, especially in like the gaming community and stuff, because people tend to be very passionate and to the point of even being defensive about like their favorite ips and stuff and the, and the people behind them especially with people like wizards of the coast where you have really public facing people like mark rosewater and like gavin verhey and stuff these are very like beloved individuals and so something that you'll hear pretty often is like oh well you know it's hasbro's fault it's not wizard's fault which is kind of true but the thing that you do have to keep in mind is that as far as these kinds of this kind of decision making goes in reference to like the hyper financial pushing of and, and marketing of modern Magic the Gathering products and other products as well, is that in in this world, Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro really are the same entity. And no, like the developers and like creative teams like Mark Rosewater and Gavin Verhey and people like that are not out here you know, trying to scum all the mo- all the money out of your wallet, the the larger company itself, they are still making all these same decisions. Like they, they got to be held responsible, held accountable for at least some of this stuff going on. You know? Yeah, the like people in the company, especially like like the faces of the company, like you talked about, they may be your friends. The company is not your friend. The company sees you as money, and I think that that's um. Something that's become very, very clear recently, especially in Wizards of the Coast as a whole, with like the whole D and D situation as well. Like, it's it's been miserable. I I feel like it's almost spitting in the fans' faces at this point. Like the thirtieth uh, anniversary Magic was just a, a blatant insult. Right. So do do you want to give like a should we give like a quick recap of like yeah. the kind of things that are leading up to the decision making that we're discussing just to fill in the gaps for anybody listening? Yeah. Yeah. Probably a good idea. Do it. Do we want to start at thirtieth? Maybe even before yeah. that. Like yeah. Just uh, yeah, just think... product fatigue in general. Sorry, d- didn't mean to yes, actually uh, something that oh no, you're tired. Good. Um, something I wanted to bring up is so in the year 2022, and this isn't necessarily like a you know betrayal of the fan base or anything like that. This is just kind of a big part of like because you brought up product fatigue mm-hmm. in 2022. Um, not counting things like on Arena, how they have like legendary creatures that have 
like a specialized mechanic where it's like the same creature kind of but it becomes yeah. a different creature kind of and then like alchemy cards and stuff like that so not counting those so talking only about cards that you can hold in your hand that you can play in paper and you can use as a commander for a commander deck um 389 Good Lord. In the year 2022 Good came out. Lord. Um, if you want to get really dramatic with a comparison, then in the year 2003, there were 16. Um, now, things were very different in 2003. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's like a pretty extreme comparison. But even before, uh, you know, I mean, a good comparison is 2020. Let's see if I can get a number here. So essentially, I believe the number that I'm looking at is that 17% of all of the legal commander options of all time came out last year. That's a ridiculous margin. That's insane. Yes. And the year before that, it was, I don't have the number. It was in the two hundreds. And the year before that was kind of before they, cause 2021 was, if you recall, they called it the year of commander. That's mm -hmm. when we had like commander legends and stuff like that. And so there was a big boost in that kind of stuff, but there was actually almost two times as much commander stuff going on just with regular products in the next year after the year of commander. And so, so that's like a really solid example of product fatigue. But then on top of that, with like the because that that product fatigue and the pacing of of those release schedules r does definitely play into marketing decisions right because i mean commander has be is has been the biggest money maker for magic the gathering for the longest time yeah so they started to definitely push those products you know we see commander decks with every uh, standard label set now and for good reason uh, um, and, and, and I, don't forget as well that the uh, cost of those commander precons have like almost doubled since they originally came out yeah gone up yeah even the even the like typically less valuable ones that come out with the uh, actual standard mm -hmm. sets are typically more expensive than what the actual precons would have been when they first started doing them. And obviously there's some inflation involved there, but it is not only inflation. No, no, for sure. It's a, it's a huge part of the community. That's definitely wizards of the coast is, I think kind of turned their focus towards, it feels almost like magic. The gathering is becoming commander. Which, it is which, absolutely true. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it's, it's good. I love commander. Don't get me wrong, but I, I very, strongly dislike the idea that a casual format or a format that was originally designed to be casual is being pushed so heavily and i don't mind cedh either but it feels like wizards of the coast saw the opportunity and now they're only using that it feels like other formats right. are kind of being left behind it's definitely true there there are a lot of uh there have been many complaints over the last couple of years of the the state of like standard and especially formats like modern and legacy yeah modern um being worse and worse and now i don't really play uh, most constructed formats so I, you know i don't have too much to say from personal experience and at least i haven't a long time uh from recent years but i've heard many many complaints of the ways that they are suffering over the last few years and i think a big part of that is simply because sets standard sets are balanced around commander rather than mm -hmm. command. um and i mean look at the number of legendary creatures per set yeah. it's not that it's not necessary to those sets that there are so many legendary creatures there are a couple of times where we've had sets where legends are sort of a theme but that's an outlier that's not typically the case perhaps the legend set perhaps Indeed, yeah, the legend <laughs> said that did have a few. Yeah, did have a few. Uh, 
but yeah so i mean that that product pacing and stuff it and the fatigue that comes with it is a huge part of the modern kind of uh business model that wizards of coast is using for their most popular ip um and then you have repeated failures in decision making like things like the 30th anniversary stuff Mm -hmm. where they took a huge swing with with uh the way that they were talking about it talking about how it was a big celebration of the game and the community and then decided that it would be a product that was not not only not useful or even exciting to most people in a collector's sense but was wildly over the overpriced to the point of 999 dollars to buy how much was it you got three packs for that i think yeah three three packs of 15 cards i think with no guaranteed pulls yeah. no promotional yep. like stuff nothing it it it's a spit in the, it, it's a slap in the right. face to to a, a community that's made to play games together whether that's for fun or for competition and it is incredibly that the 30th anniversary was incredibly exclusive overpriced and at the end of the day useless you couldn't play with those cards like i i have no idea who greenlit that and and then they sent promotional packs of the product to already rich people not even magic the gathering like youtubers or anything it was to actual celebrities what a horrible marketing strategy there's a a, a, like a professional baseball player i believe yeah one of them um yeah and so that you know that's obviously a huge part of it but then you even start to see the, not only the pacing of products and then the price of you know outlier things like the 30th anniversary but even the regular price of other products that are kind of being machined gunned out the wizard's barrel at us um i mean look at how many secret layers come out oh a year God. now and the price of those and some a more recent example because we're in the middle of the kind of preview season for the upcoming very very exciting uh march of the machines not only March of the Machines, but the Middle Earth set. Oh yes, for for Magic the Gathering, and so if if you had been following the some of the uh, like pre-purchasing options and stuff online when they started announcing that stuff, uh, so the typical price of like a collector pack bundle for 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 most products is going to be in like the one fifty to two fifty, maybe three hundred dollar range mm-hmm. uh, to get those booster boxes. In order to get the same product for the Middle Earth set, almost $500, right? So we found that out before we ever saw any of the cards. And now we have found out that they are doing this sort of Willy Wonka? the Willy Wonka <laughs> golden ticket thing. So, it, you know, I can't say that it smells too good no. to, to look at a product and have them go. So this product costs twice as much as most products. Also... You, you, as a person who wants X, Y, or Z thing from this set that we have created to be finite, must buy more of this product in order to have the opportunity to acquire these things when it is already more expensive. Mm -hmm. And I want to clarify, they manufacture pieces of cardboard. These are pieces of cardboard. There there is no reason that it costs five hundred dollars for one hundred and twenty pieces of cardboard, one hundred and fifty. Like, good lord. 
for context, the Willy Wonka's golden ticket that we are discussing <laughs> is in the Brothers War set, they started doing this thing called serialized cards where there would be special promotional versions of cards that there was a particular number of them in circulation. It would have like a serial number on it says which one you have. They're doing that again with this set. Honestly, some very cool ideas. And if they had never made any of these huge swings and misses in, in the past few years, then I think this could definitely be cool. So there is one special promotional a uh, serialized version of a card called the One Ring. Uh, conceptually, makes a lot of sense. Uh, in the grander scheme of things, pr- feels pretty horrible. I think mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to me, anyway. Um, I really don't don't like the smell of that. No, I and I I think like collectors wise, like you mentioned, I think it's a cool idea overall to have like the serialized cards because it adds a layer of scarcity to this game, right? But on the whole, like just playing the game should not be that expensive. If exactly. you want if you want to collect cards, pay for alternate treatments, pay for this secret layers, but only the magic ones. Don't don't give me another Walking Dead where the cards still haven't been reprinted 3 years right. later. Like what the hell? Uh, but it gives you something to collect. But then if you want to just play the game at your kitchen table with some friends, it shouldn't cost you four hundred dollars for a deck, right? Like, yeah, I can't. I can't Lord. feel good about spending mo- spending money on this hobby anymore. I can't. Yeah. Um, not only because I'm, I don't even feel about how, what I'm supporting. I don't know how I feel about that. But I, I can't afford it. After yeah, time. it's it's I mean, too expensive. I, when I started playing Magic, I was like fourteen, and I did not have a job or a disposable mm-hmm. income. It was it. I'm being a little dramatic here because I could definitely these days like build decks with, you know, very on a very strict budget. Budget building is a whole thing. There's whole communities around it and stuff. But obviously, you know, restriction breeds creativity and all that. But it certainly feels like when I was a teenager and I did not have a disposable income, it still felt easier to get cards and to get the cards that I want to make the deck that I want than it does now when I do have disposable income. Simply because, like, not only has the price point gone up, but there are so many more cards and so many cards of a higher power that it feels almost mandatory to play them. Yeah, and purchase that that price to play. Literally. Right, exactly. And, you know, discussions of power creep aside, when you look at things like, for example, 389 playable commanders in one year compared to numbers under 100 in most quote-unquote modern uh, years of Magic the Gathering for the last many years, you know, even even if power creep isn't a problem, which it is, but that's kind of a whole other can of worms, you are definitely creeping on your design space at that point. You are quickly depleting the gold mine of good ideas for cards that you have. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I feel like that could be a whole video on its own and unfortunately we've already reached our 15 minute time limit this is a, this is a really restrictive time limit yeah. for our first podcast and i apologize for that but we will have to wrap it up real quick here and i would love to have you on perhaps next week for another episode maybe like an hour long one this time i could boogie down i would that would be fantastic but for now uh, we will have to bid everyone farewell i do and thank you all yeah thank you all so much for listening And as always, we'll see you soon.